and welcome to a new episode of the Startup Diaries. In today's episode, we've got Rob Tominay, who's the CEO and co-founder of investment platform Further. Rob talks us through being a non-technical founder and how he's gone about building software across multiple businesses through not having a technical background himself. He then talks us through building a customer base and how to go out there and win customers in B2C world. He also talks us through his journey of fundraising and I hope you enjoy it. It should be a good one. Welcome, Rob. Thanks for joining us. Hey, yeah, great to be here. Um, do you want to start off by telling us a bit about yourself and the story behind Further? Yeah, so I guess I'm a second time or third time entrepreneur. So I've, um, I, yeah, I've been doing my own businesses since as far as as long as I can remember. Um, and my new company is Further. So Further is a platform connecting retail investors with venture capital funds. Um, so, so yeah, I guess the. The backstory of it stems from my my other company. Um, so, my other company is Mainstage. So, Mainstage is a um, it's a travel technology company, um, and we also do a bunch of bunch of festivals. So, things like um, Snowbox, and there's a bunch of festivals in Albania that we do as well. Um, and my idea for further kind of stemmed from that. So, we'd taken on some we'd taken on quite a bit of VC investment to. To, um, to to add some fuel to to main stage and and yeah I, I was then you know it's a, quite a strange type of company now it's a profit making company you don't really get many of them nowadays <laughs> and um, so then on the back of that then I was doing quite a lot of personal investment and I was investing in you know like just trying to maximize my return trying to um, trying to see what I could see what I could invest in and it was mid mid twenty tens there are a lot of um, a lot of the democratized finance players coming out, whether that's um, whether that's like a like I said, nutmeg democratizing financial advice or uh, funding circle democratizing debts or property partner and those kind of guys for for property. Like I wasn't I wasn't so keen on on many of those. I did a, but I did a bit of crowdfunding because absolutely love startups, as I'm sure you guys do as well. Yeah, yeah. And um, I did did a bit of crowdfunding, but then I was just so annoyed at how low quality it was like you could download a fancy pitch deck with absolutely zero numbers on there um you got no insight into the business on an ongoing basis which makes sense for the companies because they don't want to get that information out into the public domain it's it's competitive um competitive information but as an investor it's it is quite poor and the exit records of crowdfunded companies kind of shows on the back of that I wanted to invest in funds like the fund that had invested into my my other company, mm-hmm. and I saw there were there weren't any platforms. There wasn't any way for me, as a standard retail investor, to be able to invest into venture capital. And I thought that was a that was a massive gap. And then as I started to dig into it more, I realised that even more so the the tax breaks that come with it. And we kind of saw that because we had to process all this documentation for. Um, for all the investors of the VC fund that had invested into us, and I was digging in and working out why, what all that was about, and um, yeah, so you can get up to you can get thirty, fifty percent more of your money back when you invest in venture capital funds, and currently, or at least until we came along, that's all just being. All, all of that tax relief just being used by high net worth investors, and so not only did we want to democratise venture capital investment, we also wanted to democratise the tax reliefs of it as well, 
we wanted people to be able to access early stage companies um, and we wanted we wanted, wanted them to do it in as low a risk way as possible and so a diversif- diversification of the funds and the de-risking of the tax relief was the was the perfect way to do it and fast forward to, t- to today um, I uh, started working with my co-founder Seb who um, and Seb is a VC investor at Triple Point um, and we've taken on some some funding ourselves from some of the funds that, that are on the platform and yeah we we launched just over a month ago and we got funds like Ascension, Hatch, Triple Point on the on the platform and yeah it's a it's great to have actually been able to to, to finalize this and um, get this out into the world and so yeah we are yeah we are we're at the end of our our starting journey and now we're um, now we're out in, out into the world um, and uh, bringing bringing venture capital to to the masses yeah well as I was saying to you off uh, before we joined I was signed up earlier today and was having a having a look around and um, I guess one of the questions I'd ask you is obviously as I said to you again off air I put a lot of money into my pension like I'm people see it's quite boring in this company take the piss out of me a little bit um so why would you kind of encourage someone like myself who's putting you know quite a significant amount away into a pension probably won't see it till who knows what age it will be nowadays uh, with, with the, the fact that it keeps that that retirement age seems seems to keep growing uh, instead of sort of saving some of that money and investing it through your platform into to different vc funds well, I wouldn't like to give you specific financial advice because our compliance no, valid department point. Would, uh, would, <laughs> would, uh, would give me a right kick up the arse for that. But no, we. Um, I, I'd say what what I do. Like I have the majority of my investments into safe and steady things, but the ability to have a small portion of your portfolio into into something that has a potential of an outsized return is. Um, is a valid investment strategy mm-hmm. and adding to that the ability to to be at the table of startups and to and to be a part of them mm-hmm. that's also a, a really interesting thing as well i'm sure every, everyone that listens to the podcast are um, avidly interested in startups and and this is the this is the way to access them albeit through the experts who will f- ideally find the best ones and manage those through to an exit for you Perfect. All right. Okay. Well, yeah, look, I'm definitely interested in startups. We work with them, probably more taking money out of them when we place people into the businesses, <laughs> but it'd be great to, to see it from a different side. I think one of the interesting points for, for yourself is you, um, you're you a non-technical founder of a technology business. I think obviously your previous business had a technology aspect to that. Um, I would like to dig into how there's festivals in Albania and what they're like, but I think that's a separate <laughs> podcast completely. But um, how have you found that experience really? Has there been any key challenges of being being a, yeah d- delivering a technology business yeah so I kind of I didn't really realize what I was doing with with my when I was at my previous company but I I guess I was a de facto product manager there mm-hmm. um, by essentially creating creating the designs of what we wanted the um, the booking platforms for ourselves and for our clients to look like and how we wanted the um, the back end systems to to all work together and then we got we we used an outsourced agency to to put that all together and so i guess i've learned an aspect of of that myself mm-hmm. although with absolutely zero ability to code um and yeah it's uh, it, it it's a challenge but it's it's interesting and i think that if you want your product to look and work exactly how you see it in your in your mind's eye then you you need to 
you need to be that involved I think mm-hmm. um, and especially if you want to if you want to do it on a startup budget as well like that's why people get technical founders or why people think they need a technical founder because of because of that but if you can if, if you know enough to know what what you want the output to be then you can work with outsourced agencies and kind of kind of hack that a little bit mm. is there anything that you took from the first business that you've built into this role in particular that you think has helped kind of build further and made it a sort of maybe a better experience and journey so far yeah all sorts like i think that the the starting journey of like getting from zero to to where we are now for for main stage was about six years and then we right. collapsed that down to um to probably a year for a much more complicated business and yeah so it's 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 everything from from team management to to finances to to the um, software itself as well and um yeah i think it's i think the the biggest thing is probably whilst you do want to as a startup founder be be scrappy and be just trying to grow as fast as possible and and just thinking about the um the current metrics just having having half an eye on the on the long term and medium term as well is probably probably what I've taken from those cool excellent well look as a b2c business I'd love to know how you've approached kind of networking and getting your name out there obviously you want to get in touch with people like myself that type of thing how have you approached kind of getting that your name out there yeah so that's that's um I guess that's the biggest challenge for every fintech business like you you see that um or the likes of the likes of funding circle and nutmeg like they although Nutmeg did did have a great exit they struggled quite a bit with with customer acquisition and we're just trying to we're trying to go at that from the from the ground up so as opposed to doing big tube campaigns I don't think you'll ever see a tube campaign with with our name on it it will all be about um, it'll all be about community and Mm -hmm. tapping into existing communities and and creating communities ourselves like there's so many people in 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 the UK that are interested in in startups and um, we want to we want to bring them together we're going to be um we're going to be doing a bunch of events online offline and um yeah and there's there's a load of existing communities that we'll, we'll be working with for these from um women in tech networks through to um th- through to networks of of um lawyers who are interested in investing like all kind of different lots of different angles that we'll be we'll be approaching the community aspect yeah and there'll be a lot of uh, sort of web seminars for you to get to speaking events that type of yeah, thing I love it. I yeah love it. <laughs> good good um you obviously mentioned as well about building um your software i think when we were talking about it uh, you may have mentioned it was in-house um that you've kind of built this or using that that particular agency maybe referenced there what made you decide to take the route for, for that particular route for building your software for further for what to have it to use the outsourced agency yeah yeah and cost really yeah. like we didn't want to seb and i are the other co-founders and mm-hmm. seb comes from the investment side and i come from the um, b2c side and yeah we could have looked to try and find a um a cto co-founder mm-hmm. but you know first of all they're, they're really hard to find because you know the everybody wants to have us everyone thinks they need a, a cto co-founder but also we just we feel that the cto co-founder that you have day one is not necessarily the same person that you might need in um in year three and so it doesn't really in in a lot of situations it doesn't work for um for the long term and so yeah we 
I mean, it, it does work. It does work for companies that are like pure tech businesses. Like if you're if you're a deep tech business, you need to have that. You need to have one co-founder that absolutely knows the technology. If if you're doing if you're doing something in in um, in AI or something, you mm. probably do need that as well. But but for us, building a building what is a um, what is not too complex a platform. I mean, it's it's complex, but like it probably would have been much more complex ten years ago. We would have needed a technical co-founder then. But yeah, but now like the, there's there's um, so much existing knowledge out there, and um, so many great freelancers that we can that, mm. that we can take on board, and like we we're building the IP in house um, by by doing the by doing the product development and by by, um, by managing the build. But yeah, we can we can outsource the actual um, the actual development aspects of it. Yeah, I'm interested. Do you know how did you source that particular outsourced business that you work with, or is it just sort of trial and error? Was it a referral? Yeah, so it's actually quite a nice story. So it was a lot of trial and error at the start. It's mm-hmm. the, but it's the same company that we used at Mainstage. Mm-hmm. Um, it started off with like trying about 15 different developers through Elance, which is now Upwork, right. um, and we. We found we we found a chap called Manish who lives in Mumbai, and um, he was he turned out to be a great developer, and he built the first system in like 2011, I think, and and then on the back of that, then we've given him more and more work, and he's built a company out there on the back of okay. it, and um, yeah, it's, it's it's great to see, and so there's now like a huge staff out there, they've got loads of clients, and. Further is another one of those clients. I've actually been out to see them. Had a great, great dinner in Mumbai with them once, and uh, mm. yeah, it's um, it's it's kind it's kind of nice to see that you know from just like one guy, and we were the first client, and now we've we've grown, and we both both companies have grown on on either sides of the world. Wow, yeah, fair enough. I mean, yeah, hopefully a good service for that then. Yeah, yes. yeah. <laughs> um, I guess one of the things you mentioned at the top of the the, the podcast as well is about your fundraising journey as well i'd love to know you know someone who's got inside knowledge obviously linked to particular funds as well through their own platform how what was your experience of 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 raising and were there any challenges within that journey that you've had to overcome as well yeah so there was there was a big learning curve because raising money for a tech business is very different to raising money for an existing profitable company right um and so you're you're Going so much more on the uh, on the investors' belief in you as individuals, and also in the in the concept, and then there's quite a lot of burden of proof on on all other different aspects. It's not like right, this is our PNL for last year. Um, th- this is our growth plan. Would you like to invest? It's it's um, m- much more complicated than that. And so, yeah, just honing that honing that strategy was was quite hard. But I think it's yes. Yeah, heavily about like the, the one bit of advice I'd give on the like pure fundraising side is write down a list of all the different things that investors could have a problem with um, they could have they, they could disagree with your market size they they could um, not believe that anyone would actually want to want to do this either on for us either on the fund side or on the on the investor side and the more proof points you can get to, to prove them wrong the, the better because they, they want that they want you to prove them wrong they want to have zero questions in their mind when they invest in you and so just do that do that work in advance to um, to, to make that happen and I, I'd really recommend one of the funds that invested in us so Antler um, they're kind of a um, they do a bunch of different things they do a 
um, a co-build program where you can go on there either as in, with an existing idea um, or without an idea and go on there, find a co-founder and create an idea within within the program. We went on there in a kind of slightly different sense because we were already a team and we took investment from them and we were working with them and the in different capacities because they're on, on the platform but just seeing what those guys do is is great and mm-hmm. um, if someone is interested in if someone's interested in starting a business with or without an idea then check out Antler and, and apply to that yeah alright awesome well like I said I was uh, having a dabble on, on the website earlier so I'll have a I'll read up on the fund on there and have a look into you'll it as well quit, you'll be quitting your job soon <laughs> thankfully my boss probably doesn't listen to this so (laughs) i'm joking (laughs) um no that's great and then what's uh one of the sort of the two final questions we always like to ask everyone who comes on on the podcast really is firstly you know what's the biggest challenge that you've had in your career to date i have to say covid really like that that really hit my other company main stage for six so we we were right in the eye of the storm so snowbox 2020 was the last week in March and all the way leading up to it there were all sorts of different things going on like oh there's numbers going up in France numbers going up in in the UK and no one really knew what was going on customers were scared and losing their heads and and um, we had to manage the team and reassure staff and we were having we were having to ship a load of people and equipment out out to France and um, yeah obviously no advanced clarity from the governments of like oh there'll be a lockdown in two weeks or, yeah. or any of that like they, they don't know to be fair and um we had that on both sides of the pond and um suppliers such as airlines just all kind of going going dark and um some refunding some not refunding and we had the obligation to tell customers exactly what was going on and then cancel the event and then um and then refund them um Part on top of that as well, actually, we got um, caught up in the storm of Wirecard and Wirecard were our payment processor and uh, they, were <laughs> absolute, they were an absolute mess. And so, yeah, we we had a, a lot to go through then. And and I think that maybe just dialing back to the question of what I've learned across both companies is the quality of the team is absolutely everything. Right, okay. Um, you need to have a great team to be able to, be able to deal with the good times and the bad times, to be able to come up with those amazing ideas that you haven't thought of in the good times but then to to help help sort all of the different things that can can go wrong in the bad times and and um that the team there are absolutely incredible and could we could not have got through it without them mm. and um yeah they they've um got through the whole last two years and now they're now they're absolutely flying again which is great to see yeah. um but but yeah that was that was a tough time for for, for everybody yeah it was a weird time as well especially in the time you were talking about we were actually on a company ski trip in Mayhofen, mm-hmm. um at the big very first week of march and it was obviously a talk about people in italy getting it and i think um weirdly one of my good mates from home his dad was in a hotel in like Mayhofen because he'd gone to italy then comes come to go skiing and Mayhofen and brought up covid with him and had to isolate for two weeks wow. Um, but yeah, it was a weird time because we were skiing, then going to bars, which were pretty crowded. Yeah. And then there's this whole talk about this virus, and then it just all just shut down. And when we got back, we all, we all got back fine. No one really, no one was really ill. But yeah. I imagine that if you're talking about the end of March for yeah, that yeah, that yeah. particular festival, because I think there's another one in May off, like snowball. Yeah, snowball. Yeah. yeah. So like 
they must have been gearing up for that whilst we were there. And then, yeah, the, the unknown, because you kind of, the government didn't give great guidance. You're kind of just working blindly to, it's just maybe like a cold and it's going to be okay. And then, yeah. boom, stop. I do actually remember buying, oh, like, we'll just buy a load of cold and flu tablets for, for the team <laughs> when we go out there. Like, it was just, because you're just, um, yeah, you've got no idea what's, what's going on. It's all, but like, yes. Yeah, or just a very strange time for everybody. Yeah. I think, wasn't it, there, there was a thing in a ski resort in Austria where, um, Ischgl, I think, where it was like ground zero for COVID in Europe. Was it? Right. So Lucky went to Mehrhof instead of there. Yeah, yeah, that was, uh, yeah, very fortunate. But it was still, when you were out there, it was just, felt odd. Like, it just felt eerie. Like, yeah. even though it was rammed with people. But yeah, it must, must have been a, yeah, especially for an events-led business. I mean, Blumenack, you must have, that's a tough one. Right, just going on to the last question then. Um, the one that we ask everyone as well, what advice would you give to our listeners who are non-technical and want to start a tech-driven business? Um, I guess, what can you do? Like, um, do you, are, are you able to, are you able to get some designs to get it together? Are you able to get a user flow together for, um, for, for what you want it to be and see how much of it you can do and then start speaking to some outsourced companies and see, see how much see how much they can do like realistically if it's your idea then it should be something that is close enough to your to your wheelhouse like if if you're a complete non-technical person um looking to start a deep tech business then you're probably barking up the wrong tree because it's so far away from from what you do like you might you might think fusion energy is going to be the going to be the future, but if you've got absolutely no experience in it, you're probably not going to be the right person to do it. However, if you if it's, if it's anything else, then it should be close enough to what you can do that you know what the customers want, and you can design a product or get a designer to design some bits of it, and you give them a you give them a good scope, and then get an outsource agency to to put that together for you. It doesn't work. It doesn't work for absolutely everybody. Like maybe um, maybe you. Maybe you, you you would need to have a technical person on board, but um, yeah, that's the that's the route that we've taken, and it's worked really well for us. Look, Rob, thanks for joining us. Absolute pleasure. Um, also, a quick plug for your website, obviously joinfurther.com if you want to have a scope around. I was looking on it earlier today. Uh, look, if you've got a bit of surplus cash to, to invest, it could be a, a good place to look. But look, pleasure. Thanks for that, and hopefully you enjoyed it. Yeah, cheers. Thanks for having me. No worries.